Hey there, folks. This is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women and a few men who have gone through absolute caca give you advice on getting to the other side of yours. Today, we have a special edition podcast. This is the first time that I have had a guest on for a second time. We have, I know, it's really, really exciting. So um, I have with me today again, the awesome and fantastic and gorgeous Jory Rose. Jory, thank you so much for joining me again. Nikki, thank you so much. As evidence from just our chatting prior to hitting record, I could talk to you all the time. So the fact that we get to do this in a public forum where people get to listen in to our conversation is just really fun for me to do. So thank you so much for having me back on. Absolutely. Huge treat for me too. Huge treat. So I'm going to, Jory, I'm going to have you kind of reintroduce yourself in a minute, but I want to introduce the, the amazing, wonderful topic that we've decided to talk about today because September is self-care month and yes. we're going to be talking about moms and self-care. Moms. <laughs> it and almost sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Because you don't often hear the word mom and self-care in the same sentence. <laughs> It's so true. I was just going to say that I, I felt like a paradox. <laughs> yeah, oxymoron paradox while I was saying it. This, this topic is so near and dear to my heart. I'm a mom. Jory's a mom. Jory's a therapist. Um, and I want to let all of you know who are listening to this that we are recording in early September, which means we've had a good, like, what is it, between five and six months of quarantine. COVID is raging. Jory and I both live in California, so things are things are thick. And that is things we, are heating up. The air is thick, and you know it, it's everything is has risen. <laughs> that's right. Frustrations, emotions, air quality, all of it. Air quality, yeah. Because Jory, you live north. You live up north, and you are like right in the epicenter of the like dark sniffiness. Yeah. Yeah, we're in it, you know, and this is why I really want self-care to be a topic that women are, especially moms, right? Everybody, of course, but I think moms feel it the hardest because we're not being let up on right now. No, quite the, the opposite. The universe is not giving us a break too much to say, okay, now you can pause and slow down. Like, you know, we're like in constant fight, flight, freeze mode that ability for our brain to say, okay, we're out of the threat zone, we're safe now, hasn't really clicked on yet. And I don't know how it will. It's like there's no end in sight. I think that's part of the problem is that we don't know. We don't know when we're going to get to breathe again. Well, and this is one of the biggest challenges that I'm finding, Nikki, with all my clients. And as I was telling you, like, the amount of people needing help and resources is, as far as just my personal experience, like my client load has exploded since COVID. And I've been saying this from day one, that a, I think this is the universe's way of saying, okay, hey, everyone, we need to slow down and hit the reset button on our lives. Like if I need to look for some spiritual meaning for all this chaos, it's we need to have a reset because the way we were living wasn't really working, even though we thought it was and it was familiar. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really working in a lot of ways. And the hard part is that anything that's been under the surface that you've just been able to squeak by and keep, you know, even keeled around, COVID has really peeled back the layers and said, all right, whatever was under the surface is now exposed. And so there's no more hiding, no more running to the gym or out for cocktails with your girlfriends or Taco Tuesday or a weekend getaway or a spa treatment. You got to sit and face it because it's here. My Lord. And doesn't that, that doesn't that, I have so many things to say about that. Doesn't that change the definition of self-care? Because 
I believe that it changes the definition of self-care because, and I want to come right out and talk about a linguistic bias I have. I'm actually not a fan of the phrase self-care. When I see it, it kind of makes my stomach turn a little bit. I think part of it is that it makes me think about like a Massengill commercial or something <laughs> like, like that. I think it's because for me to think about self-care as something that like is like a band-aid, not that that's what it is, but for me, taking care of oneself should be a given. Taking yeah. care of oneself should be a way of life. And I know it is for many people, but the fact that we, as of, I don't know, five years ago, 10 years ago, I don't know when self-care became, the phrase self-care became kind of a thing. Yeah. But um, I really wanted to actually start out by asking you to give give us a working definition of what the heck self-care really is because we talk about it all the time we hear about it all the time i am completely a thousand percent in support of the concept of self-care right. but i'd really like to know from you jory as a therapist as a professional as an expert what do you how do you define self-care uh, you know, I love that you asked that question right off the bat, because I think in general, when we talk about taking care of ourselves, the things that come to mind for many people. So if I were to ask any of you guys listening, you know, when you talk about taking care of yourself, what comes to mind? You're probably thinking things like, take a shower every day, brush <laughs> yeah. your teeth, wash your face, right? Wear clean clothes, um, exercise, eat healthy, get a good night's sleep drink water, don't drink too much alcohol, don't do drugs, don't smoke. Like when we think of like taking care of ourselves, I think it's really easy to think about those physical attributes that we do on a day-to-day -day basis to stay healthy. Sure. And that's all necessary and important. And that's only one major piece of the pie. Because if we are not considering our emotional and mental wellness as part of that self-care hygiene routine, we're missing the majority of the bet, right? And so right. this is where I want to help give people insight into well, what does it really look like to take care of yourself? Well, as I said a few moments ago, all of our normal quote, normal, because what was normal now is different, right? So mm -hmm. what we used to do to take care of ourselves, even that has been compromised. Going to a yoga class, going out with a girlfriend, taking a vacation to get a different change of scenery, right? All of these things that we would look at as self-care, we now can't do. So it might be even easier for some people to think, well, how can I practice self-care if I can't go exercise and, and go to the gym? How can I practice self-care if I can't, you know, have a weekend massage or get together with my girlfriends? And, you know, I'll be honest, Nikki, the thing I'm missing the most <laughs> is getting my nails done. Oh, dude. <laughs> For me, it wasn't just about the nails or the massage. It was, I would look at that time getting my mani and pedi every two weeks as time I did nothing but just sit yeah. and just be. And in absence of having that space, it's hard to find where to do that and how to do that. Yes. So it's redefining what is your wellness routine look like, not just self-care. Mm -hmm. And I think for moms, one of the traditional things that we'll hear, or I know, I, and I've said it twice already today with clients, is it's the same, you know, the same thing you hear when you're on an airplane, right? In case of an emergency, 
put the oxygen mask on yourself before that of another person because you can't help anyone if you're not getting your own oxygen. Mm -hmm. So I want to have all of you listening consider in what ways are you literally fueling yourself? That's what I want to talk about self-care. In what ways are you even having the awareness to recognize I'm not balanced right now. I am stressed beyond all belief because without the awareness, we don't even know what to do about it. And this is why I love mindfulness so much. And as a therapist, I'm a mindfulness-based therapist because to me, if we're not aware, you don't know I have any idea what to change if you're not aware of what you need to do. Amen. And we stay so busy in our lives to often not slow down to be aware because sometimes we don't want to face what we have to be aware of. It's easier to be distracted. Thank you, COVID. All of our distractions have been pulled away, except for Netflix. <laughs> well, that's what I was just thinking, is that COVID has, COVID has, um, it has just leveled us. And I don't mean that like in a democratic way. I just mean that it's taken away so much. It has forced us to slow down. It has given us this kind of strange, ambiguous obstacle that we either have to go over or around or through or under but we don't really know the end game even close because we don't know how long this is going to be happening. We don't know how long it's going to be impacting our schools, our jobs, our finances, our emotional life, our hospitals, our health, our everything. everything. And I think, I think that COVID is a real and quarantine are real stinkers. I don't think that this, this is not a healthy way to live, but I love the point you made um, a while ago when you said the way that we have been living has not been sustainable in many cases. I'm sure there are some folks who, you know, who have been living in a, a very, very healthy and sustainable way. But when I kind of look around, I'm not really seeing them. I mean, you know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a mom to like really young kids. Your, your kids are a little bit older, but like we're, we're running around. We're in the Grand Central Station of life right now. Yeah. And so if what was happening before wasn't sustainable, and if what's happening now is definitely not sustainable and is it is like caca with maybe a little bit of some silver linings here and there, what we need is an epic comeback. What yes. we need is a way to integrate what we had and how we lived before and the beauties and amazingnesses of that, the freedom, the, the, the liberty of being able to go where we wish and get our nails done every two weeks, et cetera, integrating that into yeah. this unknown future. And right now we're in this place of, at least I think, great potential for mm -hmm. kind of in, being intentional about crafting what that might look like. What is our epic comeback going to look like? And so I, I think you said one key word there, which is intention. Yeah which is a key part of how I define living life with being more mindful is you got to have awareness of what's going on both inside of you and around you. You got to pay attention mm -hmm. to your habits and your patterns and how you normally go through life. But if you're not living with intention, then you're not being, you know, part of, you're not driving your own car of your own life. You're just letting it pass you by. Yeah. And <clears throat> so, you know, to get to some specifics, I think part of the struggle that most moms have is creating boundaries with their kids for their time and space because the number one thing that I think moms feel when they ask for a boundary for their own time and space is guilt. 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 And I have this conversation with so many moms and there's this belief right? There's some story that they're believing and it could have been because of our mothers and the generation before us and before them. 
had a very different social dynamic of what marriage and relationships and mothering looked like. Mm -hmm. So the mom as martyr was, I think, a societal norm. Yes. And whereas now with um, so many factors, right? Women in the workplace, re you know, divorce rates more, two income household necessary for living, especially where we live in California, there's so many factors involved in which the old belief system is mom is martyr and mom does everything to lead to the, you know, current generation saying to be a good mom means I do everything for my kid. And by default, I don't do anything for myself because if I put everyone else first, that makes me a good mom. Yeah. And yet what we're failing to recognize, and I'm telling you, I see it all the time with clients is they're failing to recognize the impact of what that role models to your children. Yes. 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 Your children want my children. Like this became very starkly clear to me in the wake of uh, while, while I was going through a high conflict divorce, when I had separated, when I had moved out and, and, and created a new household for my two very, very young children and me. And I was going through absolute and utter hell. But my instincts were telling me not to do absolutely everything completely and totally for my children and to martyr myself. My instincts were telling me, if I'm okay, they are okay. If I'm not okay, they're not okay. And to this day, like that really guided me. I was like, I need to heal. I need to go yep. through these stages of grief and acceptance and and I need to get my mojo back because my mojo is going to be so contagious and it's going to spread to my children as my, just as much as my lack of mojo or depression or anxiety or Absolutely. being on the floor when they're not around or even sometimes when they are around is going to affect them. And to this day, I do these like silly at-home workout programs and my kids are like, they're here when I do it because I do it every single day and they make fun of me and they watch me. And, but at the same time, they're also proud when I tell them that I finished like full body burn day. They're like, yeah, you go, mom, you go, right? you go mom. They, they want to see that. They benefit yeah. from that, even if they don't have any idea that they do. Well, and part of the fear, so right, if the first step is awareness that we're not paying attention to ourselves, and the second step is we have this belief system of mom is martyr, and to be a good mom means I put my kids first at, at all costs. The third step there is going to be vulnerability. If I'm kind of like creating this framework right now as I say it, because yeah. I'm thinking about with my clients, in order to really put yourself first means you as a parent have to get vulnerable to say, I'm having a hard time too. Yeah. And this is how I nurture myself when I'm overwhelmed or when I'm struggling or when I'm sad or when I need to do to keep my mojo up. Because we also feel as moms, we have to always be happy. And I don't think that role model is the right thing either because it negates the kids feeling like, can I express myself if I'm not always happy? Because you're trying to always put a smile on my face. But how is that always possible? And I want to share a quick story in which this was really hit home for me. There was a couple months ago earlier in COVID and um, it was, it was just, it was a bad day. I had gotten some feedback that I didn't get a, a job opportunity. I was really hoping to be able to just have an opportunity to, to do. Um, 
I think I had some hard clients that day and the kind of the kicker was my daughter who's very, very involved in her Jewish community and her, um, her youth group programs. She was supposed to be in Israel right now for a semester abroad. Like all of her plans got shut down. And I was out taking a walk and she texted me, you know, that the, everything was changing. There was one particular thing. When I got home, I just, I was super sad. And she was trying to hold it together. And I was super sad. And like just all the compounding elements, I just, I sat down on my meditation cushion and I just, I was crying. To me, that's self-care. Mm-hmm. I was nurturing my needs in that moment by honoring and allowing what I was feeling without apology and having the vulnerability to just do it. And she's 16. She walked in the room and she saw me crying. Typically, in that situation, a mom might try to pull herself together, wipe away the tears, say she's okay, and hold it together and tell her kid, I'm okay, don't worry about it, I'm fine, thanks, you know. I didn't do that. Yeah. I said, I'm really sad. I'm sad about this, I've had a hard day, I'm sad about this opportunity that didn't come through, and I'm just devastated for your lost opportunity. You know what she did? She said, come here, let me hold you. And I literally, Nikki, cried on her shoulder. And I just cried and I let myself be that vulnerable in front of her. The fascinating thing, that night she came back downstairs and she goes, mom, I'm really sad. And she started to cry. Whereas before that she was holding it together thinking I can be sad, but I need to hold it in. Hmm. That's not self-care. And so where are we really role modeling to feel what we're feeling is valid, to express it without apology, to ask for the comfort when you need it, and to say, yeah, this is really hard right now. It's no wonder I'm feeling sad. It's no wonder I'm devastated over these losses. And to role model anything else negates their experience and then gives them the message that we have to push our feelings down and always have a smile on our face. Not the message I want my kids to have. No, me neither. I, I, I'm with you completely. I, I'm with you 100%. What I'm kind of hearing from this story, and thank you so much for sharing that story because it's beautiful. There's so much. There's so much depth to that story. What I'm hearing is that self-care, or what's forming in my mind, is that self-care is it means living in your truth and expressing it. Yeah. Like that's a big part of it. I think it's a huge part of it because how often do we just shut down what we're feeling either for embarrassment for feeling it, Mm -hmm. right? I don't want to show that I'm, you know, not coping well right now Mm -hmm. because that someone might make a judgment on me, right? So there could be some shame involved or there's the factor of no one taught me what to do with my emotions. Mm -hmm. And so therefore I am going to feel even more shame because I don't know how to handle this. Right. So there's the fact that I'm feeling it. Number one, two, I don't know how to go about managing this. Mm-hmm. And three, where do I turn to when again, all of my regular ways of kind of letting off the steam aren't possible. You know, we, we don't live in a culture and society in which we're taught to really just feel we're taught to do. Yeah. We're not taught to be. And yep. success is externally driven, not internally, because we live in a culture, society in which slowing down and taking care of yourself for a mental health day means I'm lazy. I'm not being productive. 
And I look at all of these families right now struggling with remote learning. And I'm, I'm really working hard with my clients to say, you know what? It's not about the schoolwork this year. As a cohort, I mean, we live also in a cultural society in which we are compared to our cohorts. You're applying for a job, you're getting into college, right? Everything is based on kind of your, your cohort that yes. you are compared against. And parents are freaking out about their kids' education. I get it. I've got two high schoolers. I get it. They're close to college. And everyone is in the same storm. They're in a different boat, but mm -hmm. they're in the same storm. Mm -hmm. The cohort, no one is having an advantage right now. So to me, this is the opportunity to say, okay, if parents have been so focused on getting my kid ahead, that race to nowhere at any cost, right? The, the you know, glorification of busyness. Mm -hmm. What is the message now? To me, the message is, let's slow down. Let's learn how to just be. And let's focus on everyone's emotional and mental health and resilience. Yeah. Because that is going to be what gets them through this. Not how can I figure out how to be on a Zoom call longer and get through my school day. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Oh, my gosh, yes. Absolutely. The, the standards of even just having a successful day yeah. is a different animal now. Having a success. So how are we as, as mothers creating the space for that to be possible if we're not doing it ourselves? You know, I think I think slowing down is huge, mindfulness is huge, and my thing right now is creativity. That's the other thing, is like creativity, um, thinking outside the box, which is at this point kind of a cliche, but it, but it it applies. Being yeah. creative about how to have a fulfilling and successful day according to kind of your own definition of success and your own well, definition. I think part of that is you just said the word definition. It, we've got to change the definition. There you go. We've got to just change it because it doesn't apply otherwise. Yeah. Or at least like, you know, in, at least individualize it. Yeah. Because what I view as a successful day and what my son is going to view as a successful day and what my daughter is going to view as a successful day very, very different. My daughter's, 100%. she's extroverted. She's very social. We, yesterday, yesterday evening, we went on a socially distanced play date with a, a girl who's in her brand new kindergarten class. I thought she was, I thought my daughter was going to burst into a rainbow and land on the moon. I mean, mm. she couldn't even handle herself. Like the thought of the play date ending was just <laughs> apocalyptic for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and in the meantime, that, that probably isn't what would have really like, you know, been the ideal for my son necessarily. But yeah, yeah I agree with you about, about changing definitions. And, and, and actually, this kind of leads me to my next question, which is, um, how do we start prioritizing? How do we moms start prioritizing self-care? You mentioned boundaries earlier. And um, I, there are very, I don't make that many generalizations, but one generalization that I make regularly is that women suck at setting and implementing and what's the word, um, like holding. Having the boundaries. follow through. Yeah, like uh, maintaining boundaries. Yeah. So um if we could, if, if you could give some sort of start here kind of tips for moms yeah. whose self-care is in the toilet 
how do we start prioritizing ourselves and taking care of ourselves and living in that truth and then drop the martyr bullshit yeah as you were saying you know as you were saying that nikki one of the first things that came to mind is oh god there's so many ways i could go about there um unapologetically naming your needs I think women, and not even, I think Carol Gilligan back in the 70s, I want to say, she researched um, the study of girls mm-hmm. and in the socialization of girls. And a big, huge finding in Carol Gilligan's work is that by age 12, girls begin to shut down how they feel for the sake of wanting to be liked and be nice. Yes. And so they are taught, you know, to be a nice girl is kind of the value set to be driven towards. And I think that this continues so often because we have this rhetoric of, do you want to know how I feel or do you want to know how I really feel? Like, I don't, I don't have the permission to say how I really feel because then you might not like me. Mm-hmm. Then you might judge me. Then you might criticize me. And then I'm going to feel small. And I think this socialization pattern of not speaking our truth starts so young. And so it conditions us to not validate our own needs and then be able to communicate them unapologetically. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing is, as a starting point is I love being values driven as a focus point in the work of tuning into like, what are my highest values and how do I figure out my highest values? I mean, you could easily just do a Google search for a list of values and start off by, you know, circling your top 10 and then narrowing it down to five and then categorizing it into groups of two and have an umbrella of, okay, one of my highest values for me is authenticity. If I am not in authenticity, I'm out of balance, I got to recheck something because then I'm not being my true self then. And that's going to be true in all of my relationships, both my, my partner, my children, my friends, my family. It doesn't always serve me because it might not always work. You know, if I speak my truth, I might get a judgment back. But as long as I spoke my truth, I, I, I'm in alignment. Yeah. And many women don't even know what their value sets are to even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. on how do I needs. take a step towards self-care if I don't know what's important to me because it's also easy for women to mesh their beliefs with their partners or mesh their beliefs with their children like I remember a couple years ago I was talking to one of the moms at school our daughters were doing the talent show together and we were at one of the rehearsals and I said to her how's your week going she literally responded to me with the amount of schoolwork and tests her two daughters had. Oh boy. And I'm like, you just, and and I didn't say this, but in my head, I was like, you just described your daughter's week. Like, how are you? So women don't even sometimes know how to differentiate themselves from the people around them. That, you know, I didn't have any tests this week. (laughs) Like that's your work, (laughs) right? You know, that's my kid's job, not mine. So I think it's partly beginning to look at themselves as separate than mm-hmm. the relationships they're in. Yep. Unapologetically, this does not make you a bad wife, a bad partner, a bad mom, a bad employee. It's just, who am I outside of these relationships? What is my value set? And then that can help guide you to a starting point. If I value, you know, if I value peace, what am I, then I can look throughout my day of saying, what am I doing to support me having a peaceful moment right now? Or if I value health, what am I doing to support me eating healthy and exercising so I can be less reactive to my kids Mm -hmm. because I'm not so stressed and overwhelmed? 
if I value authenticity, what can I do to show up and say right now, I'm really sorry, you guys, I can't help you. I need to do this for me right now. And that's not me being selfish. That is me role modeling to you how to take care of yourself and the value of putting yourself first. It's not selfish. It is not selfish to have self-care. And that is one of the biggest things I want women to know. And I, I was talking to a client this morning who has literally dropped everything for her family. I mean, her husband's a professional athlete who, work, who plays overseas. Every nine months, she's moving to a new country. Wow. Homeschooling her three boys. And she's never in the 10-year relationship been given a chance to take, put, put her need first. And any time she's asked for it, it's perceived as selfish. So the rhetoric gets yeah. continued to be reinforced that if you're doing something from your, for yourself, that means you're not doing something for your kids. Well, yes, and this is where a problem arises. This is where the problem of implementing and making sure that you maintain your boundary and that yeah. you follow through. This is about follow through. Yes. Because, um, because, and I was going to bring this up before you talked about this client, and, she, and she's a perfect example where she, it isn't always that, that moms and women aren't articulating their needs. Because you're right, it starts, with become, it starts with becoming aware of what your needs actually are, and that takes work. It takes inner work yep. because also because our needs, our needs change over time. So it takes reflection. Absolutely. It takes work. That's one of the reasons why therapy is so valuable and, and or coaching so valuable because you identify what your values are, what your needs are, and just those kind of like basic minimum, uh, minimum um, needs, I guess. Yep. And so it isn't necessarily that um, we're not stating our boundaries and that we're not saying ouch when something hurts. It's that we also may be stating our boundaries and then allowing them to be trampled again the next day or in the next hour. We're allowing people in our life. Yeah, in the next moment. So we're allowing people in our life, whether it's our, you know, our spouse, our partner, our children, our boss, our all, you know, anyone who's around, our friends, friends, it happens with friends too. Our own parents. Our own parents. (laughs) We state the boundary and it gets trampled and we allow that to happen rather than rather than finding a way to be heard or taking an action that forces other people, you know, like just leaving the house, you know, like if everyone, if everyone in your house is chaotic and this continues to uh, knock on your door, when you say, I need, I need an hour to myself in my bedroom, mm-hmm. then you have to take action that maintains that maintains your boundary. You have to actually literally leave your house and go somewhere else for an hour to make the point that you're not going to be um, bulldozed. Well, you know, the bottom line is we teach people how to treat us. Yes. And we are afraid to change a pattern for fear that they're not gonna like it. That's right. And that's okay. As I always say, it takes two people to create a pattern, only one person to change it. And if you're waiting for the other person to be on board, for every change you need to make for yourself, you're gonna be waiting for forever. That's right. And it's not about waiting for someone else to agree that this is what you need. It's just for you to continue to honor it's what you need yeah. and to give yourself the space for it. Yeah. And so I think for women right now, the, you know, one of the, another thing that I think is really powerful to name with this is the challenge right now in some of the self-care we're talking about of doing some of that inner work of holding that boundary is we're so exhausted from the collective grief of it all. We feel we don't even have the energy 
-hmm. And the collective grief right now is really strong. And to honor, you know what? I'm exhausted. The collective grief on all that's been happening in the past six months from civil and social unrest to Black Lives Matter to political uncertainty to you know just the face of our democracy regardless of which political side you line up you land on there's a lot of turmoil and then you've got covid and then you've got the economy and then you've got schooling couples at home who maybe aren't getting along but are trapped under the same house i've got remote learning. i mean like it's just exhausting yes so even really be gentle with yourself as you begin to define what this mental and emotional wellness routine and hygiene can you look for on a daily basis. Also have compassion for it. You may not have the energy for a lot, so let it be really small. Maybe it's just two minutes a few times throughout the day to take some deep breaths. Maybe it's looking for a little bit of alone time where you can just take a walk by yourself outside or which I couldn't do for a few weeks because the air quality was so bad, but, you know, continuing to pivot and letting go of what was normal. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is to accepting right now, this is our normal. And the more that we hold on to when will life go back to normal, it's just not going to, it's going to be a new normal, right? It's like a post nine 11 world. We can never just walk up and get on a plane anymore. Yeah. And at first we thought that was, how could we ever live like that? And then we learned to adapt. But the more we stay, you know, in frustration over what was, the harder it is to be with what is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all, that's all beautiful. That's all beautiful. And, um, and I think that whoever's listening is going to have some really, some, some really clear steps to take. Yeah. And that's really, yeah. And that, that's, that's the whole point here. And the other thing too, I just want to quickly add, Mm -hmm. it's never a one and done. And I sometimes come up against this with a lot of clients, but I did that already. I don't want to have to do that again, right? Whether it's overcoming grief or trauma or depression and having the energy to continue to take the steps towards that wellness that we're talking about. Yeah. That's part of the challenge is it's not your fault if that one time you got past the challenge and you were able to enter into that wellness isn't working for you right now, right? So be careful of the shame stories or the assumptions or judgments on how mm-hmm. it's supposed to look. Yeah. Because that really can get in our way of enacting some of these tools. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is unprecedented. I, I read yeah. an article recently and I wish I could cite the author she was talking about um, a phenomenon called surge capacity, which is, and it's, it ha- it's about, um, she was talking about women and she was talking specifically about women who are, um, who are very high energy, who are able to operate at very high capacity, which basically describes moms, right? Um, you know, moms who, who also work outside the home and who have just all the, all the kinds of things piled on them that we've been talking about over the last like several minutes. And that there's this thing called surge capacity that people have, that some people who are just really, really, really high energy and um, highly competent have in, in the face of something like a natural disaster. You know, people who are just like calm and like they almost like they, they thrive in that sort of environment and that very, very high stress environment. Well, they're relying on, on surge capacity, their ability to just kind of rise above whether it's adrenaline or their personality or whatever it is about, about them that enables them to have that surge of energy, competence, 
when everyone else is panicking. But there's only so much capacity for, for the number of surges. And when you have something like a pandemic, you don't, like, there's no, it isn't, like you, like you were saying, it's not like a one and done. It's not like we have a, we have a pandemic, we're going to get through it over, over five months and then it's over, you know? And like the impression that we, that, that people I think used to be talking about where it was like, oh, when they set us free again, it's not, it's not, um, it's not obvious and clear and black and white in that way. It's not going to be just like, oh, tomorrow we're free. <laughs> you know, tomorrow everything's open. Tomorrow my children can, can go to school all day in an actual building. So, um, yeah, it's, pe people are wondering why they can't just keep going and then keep, 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 keep going. This is, this is calling to our attention the limits that we have particularly the emotional and mental limits, not necessarily the physical ones, although I'm sure there are people who are dealing with that too, but like the mental and emotional limits. And I mean, for you, Jory, with your, with your own um, capacity being, being very challenged as a therapist yeah. and doubling, doubling your, your client load. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, uh, that's what's going on right now. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot. And I, I want to remind everyone the power of self-compassion in all of this. And self-compassion is a lot harder to practice than compassion for others. We aren't always taught how to tell ourselves it's okay. We tend to be in a very judgmental inner critic mindset. Yeah. And a lot of shoulds of I should be able to get through this. I should be able to make it easier. I'm in comparison to those I see around me by the surface level of what I see. And so at the very root, let a wellness, you know, hygiene practice for you just to pr practice self-compassion by saying, this is really hard right now. And, you know, the key that I always talk to my clients about is the, is the power of the word and. Mm -hmm. If you say, this is really hard, but I can't do it. The but negates both sides or one of the sides, right? But if you add and instead of but, then you allow both to be true. This is really hard. And I'm already getting through it. Like that's the epic comeback right there. Yeah. This is hard and I'm already getting through it. And the other thing I want to point out too, Nikki, is no matter how hard the process has been, if you're breathing right now, then you have a 100% success rate of getting through everything you never thought you could. <laughs> Bottom line. 100% success rate. It's not defined on how easy or hard it was or how skillful or unskillful you were or how judgmental or compassionate. You survived it by the mere fact that you're breathing. There you go. So if you continue to focus on what's hard, our negativity bias will keep us focusing on the negative. If you look for the successes in your day, that's self-care. Yeah. I got through this hard moment. Even if I lost my cool for a little bit, I can bring it back and make a repair and try again the next moment. That's yeah. a success. That yeah. in and of itself is self-care, right? Yeah. So there's so many things that we can do that are outside of like a meditation or, you know, there's so many different ways that we can shift that inner critic to be more compassionate. And that to me is wellness right there. And also humbling, humbly asking where can I get more resources? I don't have all the tools on my own. Where can I turn to unapologetically asking for help, for resources, for skills, for tools? Because there's no rule book for mm -hmm. how to get through a pandemic in the year 2020. There just wasn't one. And yeah. so, again, we're not all in the same boat, but we're in the same storm. And you yeah. know, 
Nobody is immune from these stressors. How much they impact you, that's a different question, but we're not immune from them. That's true. And you know what you said about, what you said made me think that we moms need to give our, we need, I mean, I, my own philosophy as a human and also as a coach is very strengths-based. We moms need to, I believe, would benefit from understanding how powerful and how crafty and how able and how competent and how compassionate and how nurturing and how motherly we are. We truly are built for a time like this. We are built for situations that have no instruction manuals. And I say that because if what ties us together is the fact that we're mothers, there's no instruction manual for being a mom. There's no instruction manual for how to get through a colicky night with your baby. There is no instruction, instructional manual. So we, we moms, we are professionals at being creative. We are professionals at being resourceful. We are professionals at working together and banding together, creating pods <laughs> and creating villages to get through things like this. Yeah. So I really what you said really just created this surge in me to want to say like we we can do this it's so freaking freaking hard and there's you can't we can't deny the burden and we can't deny the fact that um you know i just saw an article about professional women are three times less likely to be promoted in a in a work from home remote work situation in their company than men are so there, there's all sorts of shit happening and I'm not trying to say that it's not shit because it is and yeah. it pisses me off too. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there's no gender I would rather be. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's no, I, I, I love that I'm a mom right now. I love the joy that my children bring to me during this wacky, excruciatingly hard time. So in a way, moms are posi positioned pretty well because there are a lot of people who are really freaking out and moms are just like, oh, hey, you know, what's another thing? We've already well, got and, eight and arms. The challenge, and, and the challenge I, I'm finding too, I, I want to say to that, yes, and a lot of moms are able to get through it all because they've had ability to outsource preschool, daycare, yeah. school, gymnastics, you know, sports. And so that's where I see the compassion really needing to be an important component for us moms is the compassion or the mindset that I could do all this as long as I was able to outsource some of it. Because I don't think when we signed up as being moms, we thought we'd be with our kids 24 seven inside the, inside the house. <laughs> like, I did. There's a I reason did. we send our kids to school and all you mamas who homeschool, I'm bowing down to you because I know I loved when my kids started preschool. Like I, mama needed a break. And right now mamas aren't getting a break. No, we're not. So you gotta ask for a break, right? And also part of that compassion within that is give yourself some permission for maybe the house to not look as good as it used to look. Maybe give yourself some permission that they're on screen time a little bit more. They're gonna be okay. Yeah. They're gonna be okay. Yeah, give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. Like, yeah. this is what we need to do. One of my find other ways to outsource in a different way. <laughs> oh, Lord. Outsource it to the trees outside. <laughs> like, there's yeah. nobody left to... 
No, what I was going to say before is that um, I've become a broken record with this, but one of my one of my own new sayings is that self-compassion is the highest form of self-care. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. And when you were saying, you know, we are wired for taking care of others and we're, you know, moms are wired for the chaos. If you just spoke to your own self the way you would comfort your child, that's enough. Yeah. That, that is enough. So, you know, to consider whenever you're really stuck and when you're really overwhelmed and anxious and frustrated and exhausted, what would you say to your, ti your tired, overwhelmed, cranky little kid? Now, given, depending on your mood, you might snap at them and tell them to get over it and, you know, do whatever. But in your, in your best mama self moment, right, you would be understanding, you would be comforting, you would hold them, you would not judge their behaviors because you would see that underneath the crankiness is a really tired little boy or little girl. Like, we have that language within us, and we so often are able to extend that to others, and we just need to turn it right back around. I would stroke their, I stroke their hair. Yeah. That's what you I do. them, sweetie, it's going to be okay. And I know right now it doesn't feel okay. And we're already getting through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Well, Jory, I want to take some time to ask you about, you have a new monthly parenting membership, speaking of being a mama and speaking yes. of parenting. So would you please tell us about uh, what this, what this membership program is like and how we access it? Yeah, thanks, Nikki. I, you know, about six, not even six weeks ago, about four or five weeks ago, it really hit me that this, this issue that we're talking about needs major support on a societal level, on a cultural level, on a familial level. And so I created a monthly membership program where each month you're going to get different trainings from me, video trainings in all aspects of mindfulness and parenting. Mm -hmm. And I will even say all the tools that I teach, even when it's a relational from a parent to child dynamic, it works for all relationships, right? It's all about how we show up in relationship. How are we responding, not reacting? How present are we being? Are we being compassionate versus judgmental? And it's also the inner, it, role models the inner relationship to ourselves. So all of the tools are how to manage your own emotional regulation and presence, along with how to communicate that with your kids, how to role model it to them, but it also works for any relationship. So each month there's different trainings in mindfulness and as, a, um, as well as all aspects of parenting. There's two live calls each month as well. So any questions, any challenges, um, people will have direct access to working with me. Each week you'll get an email with a new journal prompt because I really want this to be a time to slow down and be reflective. Again, I talked to the client with this about this morning. Parents don't often, when their babies are born, sit down and make a parenting plan. They figure out what the nursery is going to look like, how to pick a name, what preschool to send our kids to, what foods they can eat, at what age. We don't make a plan on how we actually want to show up as a parent. So these journal prompts are designed to get you to slow down and just self-reflective. How do you want to show up in your own life? But what does that look like in your parenting journey, especially at this point in time? And then there will also be monthly meditations that you'll get access to. Um, some of them will be just for adults, but I've also included some meditations to guide your kids in as well, because they need these tools as well. Awesome. And the doors are closing to this membership September 15th. 
And so it's, it's literally at a fraction of my hourly rate. It's $33 a month and there's zero compromise on the tools that I teach if you were to work with me individually. It's mm -hmm. just, I am so passionate about getting these tools out to families because they need it. We all need it right now. We need the reminders. And what's nice in the format it is, is the videos are always going to be accessible. All the Q and A's are going to be recorded and always accessible. So you can always go back and get access to them. So I will have links for you and I've offered your listeners uh, the special founding member pricing of $33 a month. So that's a special bonus to all those epic comeback people um, <laughs> who are really looking for different ways to build skills and resources right now. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. I have created also a free training video so you guys can check it out, some, get some access to some of my tools just to kind of feel it out. But the, the training video is a 30-minute long video on 10 tools parents can implement right now to create a more peaceful and productive school year. Because wow. bottom line, here's the bottom line, and this is like really important for everyone to understand, emotions are contagious. And if parents are stressed and overwhelmed, guess what? Your kids are going to be stressed and overwhelmed. The second most important thing to recognize is if you're stressed and overwhelmed, your brain is not ready to focus, pay attention, or learn. So all these parents out there who are getting their kids ready for back to school by getting them new devices, getting their workstations set up, getting their notebooks, getting the Wi-Fi to make sure there's enough bandwidth for everyone to be working from home and on the computer at the same time. That's half the battle. Yeah. If you are not having a home environment that is conducive for learning, the chaos is going to take over and whatever answer would have been to have a productive school year is going to be really, really, really hard. So I'm really looking to create a cultural shift in the homes of more peace, despite the chaos that's happening around us. And it's possible. I 100% believe it's possible. Yep. We just need to know how to do it. Yep. I agree with you that it's possible. Absolutely. And your um, the membership shop sounds fantastic. $33 a month. It To me, it sounds like a no-brainer. It, it sounds I mean, really just wonderful. for over a dollar a day to give you the tools to get peace of mind, that right. to me is huge value, but it's I'm like, biased. <laughs> what's the price of peace? Seriously. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's, a, it's a small monetary investment for, for a, prices, a priceless outcome. Absolutely. Yeah. And wonderful. Thank you, Jory. Um, this conversation could have lasted a lot longer. I mean, as you were saying at the beginning of, of the episode, <laughs> that we could talk for hours. Um, yes. So much value right here. And I want to thank you for being my guest again. I'm so thank honored you. to have you on the show twice. And, um, and I also want to ask, where can folks find you online just kind of and learn more about? Yeah, the probably best one-stop shop is my website, which is joryrose.com. It's J-O-R-E-E-R-O-S-E.com. And from there, you could find info on the parenting membership. You can find my podcast, Journey Forward with Jory Rose. I've got a few mini courses available. I've got meditations you can get access to. I've got some other resources and guides to download and help work through some tools. And if you're interested in any uh, coaching work with me, I'm a therapist in California, but I do coaching all over the country and, you know, kind of whether, you know, as a therapist, I'm a mindfulness-based therapist, so I'm even really unique in the therapy work that I do. I'm very tool-driven. I don't focus on the past. I focus on the present, much more like a coaching style. 
Mm -hmm. um, but really holding integrity to those practices of mindfulness, because I, I think mindfulness is the answer to it. You know, if we can be present and respond and not react and compassion, not judgment, when we're, we're halfway there. So yeah, joyrose.com is the one-stop shop for everything. And All of right. course you can find me on Instagram and Facebook as well. Cool, cool. Well, that's where we'll head. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap up right now. This is Nikki Bruno with Jory Rose on the Epic Comeback podcast. And for more information about how to stage an epic comeback in your life after a life-shattering situation, please visit theepiccomeback.com. <laughs>